You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get, get it, it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. It is Thursday. It is time for another edition of Silver and Black today. Scott Colbranson, Mo Moten with you. We are here to talk about Raiders football, and there's just a few things to talk about coming just a day and a half after final cuts. The Raiders catch a break. We're going to talk about that. But, of course, my partner, Mo Moten, is here. And, Mo, we have a, a lot to get to. We're going to get into some sensitive subjects, too, when it comes to Darren Waller. From my end, we'll talk about that. But first, my friend, we want to start with some good news with the Raiders around the Alex Leatherwood release. People still, some people still struggling with it. Even you said, hey, maybe they cut him off too early. If they would have moved him to guard, they might have been able to salvage something out of that draft pick. Instead, they release him and ride on Chicago Bears, picks him up, will save the Raiders basically $6 million off that 11.8 that they were on the hook for, 11.9. Uh, and so that's a break for the Raiders. They recoup some of that cash, and Alex Leatherwood gets the fresh start I think he deserves. Yeah, and Tashawn Reed, the athletic, brought up a good point. I, I think it's possible that the Raiders knew that someone would claim him and they would get off the hook for some of that money because he is a former first-round pick. He is a former 2020 Allen Trophy winner, one of the top linemen in the nation a couple of years ago. So why wouldn't a team that needs an offensive lineman roll the dice on him? He, he has experience at left tackle, played a little bit right tackle, played a little bit of right guard. So that he's an asset for a team that can coach him up and get him to be a serviceable starter. And I still think he could be a serviceable guard in this league. I tweeted out, Bears fans, move out, not fans, but I hope the front office, if they're going to use Leatherwood, move him to guard. And a lot of the fans agreed um tevin jenkins also over there who was intended to be a tackle has moved to guard so it'd be pretty interesting to see possibly tevin jenkins and alex leatherwood starting at guard in chicago being that they were both coming in as coming in as tackles and had the transition to guard because they had some rough rookie years yes absolutely and uh again listen he's a young dude and i know raider fans were not happy and it's another gruden draft pick i know my good friend xavier huerta on Twitter arguing with me that I shouldn't that he gives the, the the Gruden regime a C plus on drafts because of Renfro and Morig and uh, who am I forgetting? It's been a long day. Oh, <laughs> Max, Hobbs, Crosby. Uh, Max Crosby, Max and Crosby. Hobbs. So and, and again, good players, but uh, but all of this and the Leatherwood was just a kind of bow on top. All of this, it, I'm sorry, you cannot. It's not that he didn't draft some good players. Okay. But when you miss on that many number ones and number twos and number threes, it, you you have to earn an F. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Uh, but back to the Leatherwood thing, I want to talk uh, about that because Josh McDaniels spoke to the media yesterday on Wednesday. And I'm not going to play the clip. I didn't want to. In fact, well, to be frank, I didn't have the time to get it today. But I'm going to talk about <laughs> what McDaniels said, Mo. And I want I want to get your comments. I don't know if you why I think you watched the press conference. 
But McDaniels, when they asked about Leatherwood and about contemplating letting him go, here's what McDaniels said. We talked about competition since we came here in every position group, trying to give every player an opportunity to earn his job and earn his role, whatever that role may be, some bigger than others. We felt like we did that. We gave everybody an opportunity to go out there and play and really perform. There's a lot of tough decisions that we make across the roster. So, And then he finished with, I wish Alex Leatherwood nothing but the best. He did everything he could here to try to earn his role here. Like I said, I wish him the best. Basically, they said, you're not good enough. So, so to me, this is a huge step forward for this Raiders franchise, Mo, because what they came in and said was, I don't care who you are, you're competing for your job. Oh, and then by the way, McDaniels also on Wednesday said, you're still competing throughout the year. It never ends. It's endless competition. Talk about that difference between the kind of up and down emotional weirdness of a John Gruden. Right. I dropped an article or column on Bleach Report yesterday, Wednesday, and I talked about this. It wasn't about when a, how a player got on the team, whether he was a first-round pick or a rookie undrafted free agent. You were in competition if your spot wasn't secure. Unless your name is Derek Carr, Devonta Adams, or Hunter Renfro, or Max Crosby, or Chandler Jones, you were competing for a spot. And it was it was truly an open competition because you hear a lot of coaches during the offseason give this spiel about, yeah, fit, best 53 men on a roster will make it, yada, yada, yada. And it turns out this guy who, who performs poorly makes it because mm-hmm. they drafted him early or they paid him a lot of money. And that wasn't the case with Ziegler and Dan McDaniels and how they handled things. And you saw it on the field. As we pointed out in the last show, four undrafted free agents, four rookie undrafted free agents made the roster. Uh, Mumford has a shot to be the starting right tackle. I'm sure we're going to talk about that later on. Yep. But they evaluated this roster objectively. And as you said, outside of the way, even though he tried to put in the work, just wasn't good enough. Yeah, and, and 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 McDaniels, I'm glad you talked about that the, the four free agents who made the roster because he said something very significant, and this is philosophical, Raider Nation. You have to remember everything this franchise does from now on, this is the lens. So as a fan, I know it's different because you're a fan, you have emotion tied to it, not the business side of it, but you have to look at it through this lens. And this is what he said. He said, sometimes you say it and maybe people hear it, and let it go out the other ear. But it's really not about how you got here. It's about what you do when you get here. Mo, again, you you mentioned that same theme in your piece today and or on Wednesday. And, and so to me, this is the lens. It doesn't matter if you're a first rounder or an undrafted free agent. If you work your ass off and you play well and execute, you have a place in Josh McDaniel's world. Yeah, and I'll go back again to the press conference, his introductory press conference with Mark Davis. And Mark Davis was talking about what he liked about Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziggler, where they come from, that Patriots regime is they'll get a guy who's from Buffalo, from Missouri Western State, and he turns out to be a starter after not being drafted and makes a contribution. And that's how you get seventh rounders in your starting lineup. That's how you get rookie undrafted free agents to contribute when you have truly an open competition and you say the best guy wins the job. And I think that's going to work out in the Raiders favor where the last regime, they had a bunch of first round picks. A lot of them didn't pan out for a variety of reasons, but now this, this regime is saying, okay, look, we didn't, we didn't have a first and second round pick, but you know what? We got a seventh rounder who can start. And again, Mumford, we have Dylan Parman, the third round who can possibly earn a starting role down the line. Uh, so they're not depending on premium picks and high-profile players. I know they, they acquired Devontae Adams. I know they, they signed Chandler Jones. But there are guys like J.R. Brown, who undersold, may be a big contributor on this yeah. football team. There, who knows? Deron Harm as third safety may be a contributor on this football team. Rocky Sin, who's had his ups and downs with the Colts, may be a solid starter. So you're not completely dependent on your premium resources, but you're saying, look, Best guy wins the wins the spot, and whoever it is, whether it's a seventh rounder or a first rounder, will go with the best player, and that's usually what wins football games. Absolutely, and it's not a surprise based upon what we saw in New England, right? And I know we we try not to. We're not calling it Patriots West. We're not calling it the Patriot Way. Blah blah blah. 
but it is a philosophy that worked for that franchise. And this exactly what we're seeing modified for their own personalities and kind of their own, uh, I think, way and path. But certainly it's the same. Another story clearly coming out of, of Tuesday's cuts, Mo, was the trade of Trayvon Mullen. McDaniels addressed that. And you know what he said? He basically said Sam Webb beat him out is what he said. Because he said, we are here to pick the best guys that we think give us the chance to win. And he mentioned Sam Webb in the question about Trayvon Mullen. So there you go. I think with player acquisition on the Raiders moving forward with these guys in charge, you will have. You you keep mentioning Southern, Western, Mississippi, Missouri State, whatever. <laughs> um, and, and it's true, though. They will find talent. And this is very refreshing to me because it's not old school, right? It is something that's worked. It is about finding talent and you can go get it. You just have to have the right people in the building. And I have to tell you, the Raiders have to go win on the field, Mr. Moten. But at the same time, so far, they're winning the game off the field because they have increased the value of this team on the field through smart player acquisition and a really smart a front office that is finding gems and finding guys who can do the job while managing the payroll and doing everything you need to do to win in the NFL. I want to go back to a story that Bill Polian has told multiple times. I know people are angry about, about Bill Polian and what he said about Lamar Jackson, but he had a really good story as a GM of former GM of the Colts. And he said that they drafted a guy early. I believe it was in the second round. And by the second week of camp, they realized this guy's not going to make it. And they had to move on from him within a year. And I'm sure that stung for the front office, but it was the best thing to do because they realized it right away. They realized the mistake right away and they moved on. Now it's a little different with McDaniels because they got rid of a lot of the Gruden Mayock guys, but it still applies here because you're realizing this player isn't fit for our system. He's not going to make it. We got to cut ties. And that's basically what happened in Leatherwood. So then it opens spots for, and I'm going to mention his name for the third time, guys like Mumford, even Jermaine Illuminar, who's, previously a journeyman offensive lineman getting his preparation and his his diet straight his body right now he's going to probably be your starting right tackle gives him opportunity to sean bauer allows guys like that to make an impact on the outside that you're not holding on to certain players and veterans so to sean bauer has been a journeyman as well and he lit up the preseason and i think he's going to make a contribution this year and people are like where did they get this guy from but you got to remember a successful football team a winning football team has a mixture of premium players you get with your first round picks or spend a lot of money on or extend and guys who are super duper hungry guys who didn't get drafted got picked in the seventh round being cut multiple times had time on the practice squad those guys want to make an impression they want to make the best of their career and they're going to give you their best on the football field and and i go back and i know raider fans hate it but you just have to go back to previous stops you have to go where josh mcdaniels was you look at Wes Welker, you look at Julian Edelman, much more in the size range of a Hunter Renfro, right? These are not guys that are first and second round draft picks. These are guys that are, are hungry to your point. I think that's why I picked up on that because you said hungry. These are guys who will give everything to succeed and they have a certain work ethic. And I'm not, I'm not disparaging anybody's work ethic. A guy like Kenyon Drake has a great work ethic. He didn't fit the mold, so they let him go. So, so that's an example of a guy who's not, not that he's lollygagging. It's just they have a certain person that they want, right? And they're going to go get that peop, that person, to, to your point. Um, and, and to me, this, this really is and should make Raider Nation feel good. Whether or not you like the guy that they cut or you don't like a guy that they kept, um, you have to kind of go with it until it works or doesn't work. And, and we will find out, obviously, as, as they get on the field. But let's talk about Munford. That, to me, is, is you talk about finding somebody and, and evaluating talent where somebody, somebody sees something in a player. And you go, you're talking seventh round? I mean, Mo, seventh round, and you cut a first rounder for him, basically. Um, talk about what he did and, and, and just the, 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 the gravity of being able to find a guy who could end up starting at right guard for the Raiders after being a seventh-round pick. Well, I will say to start this response is to say, I want Raider fans to forget draft labels. And by what I mean by that is Good saying point. forget 
this guy was picked fourth overall. This guy was in the second round. This guy was in the third round. This guy was in the seventh round. Just look at the talent. Look at the performance. Look at the production. Because that's what Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are doing. They're not worried about, again, where a guy was drafted. So forget that Cleveland Farrell was picked fourth overall. Forget Mumford was in the seventh <laughs> round. Forget Alex Edward was picked in the first round, 17th overall. Best guy on the field. And to your to answer your question, Mumford clearly now he only had one preseason game, and I said he did a good job there. But he clearly on the practice field impressed that coaching staff. And I'm going to go back to a response that I had on, to someone on YouTube saying, you know, what is why is this player on the roster? Why is this player not making the roster? And I told him basically a lot of things we don't see at practice. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of the the momentum behind Mumford being the eventual starter at right tackle are things that he showed to that staff on the practice field that we don't see. So when you hear Albert Breer and Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport or whoever saying Mumford could be your eventual starter, there's a reason for that. And he's obviously showed out when he got the chance to get first team reps because I believe after Brandon Parker got hurt, it was Mumford who was next in line to get those first team reps because Alex Edward wasn't the guy who was still getting second and third team reps before Jermaine Illuminar stepped in after Mumford got hurt. But for right now, it's going to be the Jermaine Illuminar, Thea Mumford show at right tackle. So I actually feel, I don't want to say super confident, but I feel good about that combo because Jermaine Illuminar has played the position. And I think he's mm -hmm. ready to be that stopgap guy. And maybe he does well enough where he gets a bigger contract elsewhere next year. He knows that in the back of his head, this could be his last chance to be a starter. I think he's going to be solid there for one year. But then it gives time for Mumford to develop behind the scenes so that if he's ready to take over in 2023, now you don't have to spend a first round pick at that position. You can use it elsewhere. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. And and, and I, I still have not ruled out a move for a veteran. I think you should get a veteran for depth. I mean, that, that to me... Uh, and, and if it's somebody who can jump in and start fine, and then you let the younger player uh, groom behind them, which is nothing wrong with that, especially on the offensive line. Uh, but we'll sh we'll see. Okay, we're up against our first break. And we're going to come back. We're going to talk. Not only did Munford get back to practice on uh, Wednesday, but a one number 83. Darren Waller was back. We're going to talk about that. He's got a new agent. And what does that agent matter? What does that mean? And why would somebody people be concerned about the agent he selected and the opportunity to cut a deal. Well, we'll talk about that when we come back here. You're with Mo and Scott on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to your favorite place to talk Las Vegas Raiders football. That is silver and black today. We are an odyssey original podcast we're here do me a favor please subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to us make sure you do that uh just click the subscription button and we will be delivered to your phone or whatever you listen to us on uh instantly you can even go hey alexa play mostradamus no you have to say hey alexa play silver and black today an Odyssey original podcast, and then Mo and I are on the on, on in your kitchen, wherever you have your Amazon device or your Google device, whatever, we'll pop on and we'll say hello. So do that for us. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, the chat is always lively and always great. It just seems to get bigger and bigger each show. Thank you there. Subscribe. And don't forget, on YouTube, you got to hit the notifications button. You can hit subscribe, and that's step one, but it's sort of like making a cake with no icing. you got to put the icing on top. you got to hit notifications so you know when we have videos come up. And those that have already done it know what I'm talking about. You could be sitting there, you're after dinner, you're hanging out, bing, it pops up. You know that Mo and I are in there waiting for you in the chat to mix it up and have some fun. So thanks uh, for that. We are talking, of course, Raiders football. And Mo, big event yesterday on Wednesday. Darren Waller gets a new agent. We see Drew Rosenhaus. Now, for those of you familiar with the world of agents in the sports world, uh, Drew Rosenhaus, who once repped uh, number 84. What was that guy's name? Um, Antonio. What was his name on the Raiders? Not, Wide receivers? I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> guy, guy, did he have Did he have two feet? No <laughs> frozen feet? feet. Yes, frozen feet. Okay. Um, he rep- represented Tony Brown, but also he's represented a lot of people. A uh, very famous sports agent. Also, some look at him as very difficult to deal with. Is that going to impact it? But anyway, Darren Waller. That tweet goes out from Drew Rosenhaus. Darren Waller is on the practice field. Suddenly the hamstring is good. Everything's good. He's back on the field. So, Mo, let's jump into this, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a, a, a tangent on this in a second. But Darren Waller being back on the field, great for the Raiders. I know Raiders fans are excited about it. It's good. But let's start with, before we get to Waller, the player, and, and what we want to look for there, for week one, let's talk about Drew Rosenhaus. We know about Drew Rosenhaus a couple of things. Number one, he likes big money deals. He represents his client well. I'm not saying that's not his job. So, so if he does his job well, that's great. But the Raiders, I think, we've heard all along, and, and even from Darren Waller, that you know he was working on He's going to let his agent deal with it. Didn't work out. He fires his agent, and now he's got a guy who's known for busting balls. So my question to you, does this make it harder? for the Raiders to come to a deal with Darren Waller that's going to fit within what they want to pay um, and making the player happy at the same time. It makes it harder if Drew Rosenhaus is shooting for a market-setting deal. Now, a few days ago, Justina Anderson said that Darren Waller is in talks with the Raiders to make $60 annually in new money. Now, if that's what the Raiders feel he's worth, shouldn't be a problem. But the Raiders say, no, you're not worth $16 million a year. You're worth about 14 Then it could be a problem. Mm-hmm. I personally am not concerned. You did mention that Drew Rosenhaus, known for big money deals, he negotiated the Tyreek Hill deal. I remember when the Raiders acquired Devontae Adams, Drew Rosenhaus clearly said that Devontae Adams' money changed the expectations for his client in Tyreek Hill and what he felt Tyreek Hill should get. And that's why that's what ultimately led to the trade uh, from the Chiefs to the Dolphins. So he's very savvy, very plugged in, and he's going to be the guy that's going to shoot for the highest possible deal for his client, which is what you want if you're a football player. Of course. But I will say, but I will say I my my concern meter still isn't high because to this point Darren Waller has shown that he's still committed to the team. So I don't expect a holdout situation. It, it also is good that Drew Rosenhaus was able to fix Darren Wall's hamstring. I didn't know Drew Rosenhaus was a <laughs> doctor, but apparently fixed his hamstring. Uh, Mr. Miyagi, wax on, yes. wax off. So yes. um, we can we can be happy for that, that Drew Rosenhaus was able to fix that issue. But I, I think the, the lasting image of Drew Rosenhaus is when he was T.O.'s agent and you see T.O. in his driveway doing sit-ups. 
<laughs> and working out. And I think people think, oh man, he's he's gonna be a problem. But I don't I don't envision Darren Waller doing sit-ups and crunches and push-ups in his driveway. Again, I think he's still committed to the football team and he'll be ready to play week one, but of course he wants some type of a pay raise. And I agree with you, Mo. I don't think for one minute that there's going to be any shenanigans where Darren Waller's not going to show up or he's not going to play hard. That's not in his DNA, I don't believe. I don't think he's that kind of guy. He's not Antonio Brown. He's not going to have a lot of drama. But I will tell you a couple things. One is if, if, if the Raiders don't get him a deal before this season, which is next week, or in the first couple weeks of the season, it doesn't have to be before the first week, um, then does it become a problem, meaning that does it nag at him mentally? I know players can say it all the time. No, I don't think about it. I don't think about it. BS. You think about it. You're talking about, especially if it's a, a category-setting um, um, record deal, meaning that Darren Waller now becomes the high mark for tight ends in the NFL. And again, going back a few months when I had Cynthia Freeland on the show, and she said, listen, the, the, the tight end market's about to bump up. Okay, you had the Travis Kelsey deal a while ago, but now it's about to bump up again because the salary cap's going up and you have a lot of these tight ends come and do. So if that's the case, it's $16 million. And Josina is a great, great journalist. And I appreciate the story she did where she got that. Maybe that was Drew Rosenhaus. Right. So so maybe Drew Rosenhaus is setting the bar at 16 million, maybe he's setting it higher than that. Maybe it's 18. I don't know what it is. And we won't know until obviously they, they reveal it or we hear somebody report it. But clearly um, again, like you, I'm not overly concerned with that piece of it, but I do think that um, depending how much he's aggressively pursuing it, uh, that could end up being something that bubbles back up, at least as a question mark as the season goes on. If Darren Waller doesn't do as well as people think he does, does that creep in and does that creep into the men's mindset of the player? I'll make one point about that. And really quick, shout out to Just Win Wendy, who's been worried about the Darren Waller saga over the offseason. Hang in there, Just Win Wendy. I think he's going to be out there week one. <laughs> but um, <laughs> to, to your point, I, I think it could become a problem if he's dealing with an injury. So he's been dealing mm -hmm. with his hamstring over the offseason. Let's say week one, he gets banged up. Remember, he has no guaranteed money left on his contract. So is he thinking ahead, thinking, I don't want to hurt myself even further and hurt my chances of getting a bigger deal? Or do I go all in on the season week one and try to battle through it, battle through this injury and possibly hurt myself even further? So I think that's going to enter his mind if he's if he's dinged up and you got to make a business decision. Because even before I got on with you and I tweeted this, it still amazes me how front offices make business moves all the time. They cut players, they sign players, they ask players about, you know, take a pay cut because you underperformed. And people go, well, yeah, that's the cost of doing businesses. You know, that's the cost of doing business. Players know what they signed up for. Yeah. But when a player makes a business move and decides to preserve himself because he's thinking about his future, his career future, oh, he's selfish. Yeah. And I say, you can't. You, get, you can't have it both ways. You can't have the, the front office operating like a business and then tell players to go all in and not be business-minded. It goes both ways. If, if the it front does. office is going to think business, the players are going to think business. And to your point, he's going he's gonna to think about the contract. He's going to tell you publicly he's not thinking about it. It's all Drew Rosenhaus. It's all my agent. It's because he doesn't want to delve into it. He wants to focus on football, and I get that. But you, he, he's in the back of his mind. He's thinking like, look, I have no guaranteed money left. I don't want to hurt myself or hurt my chances of getting a deal. I'm turning 30 in a week or two or, you know, a week or so. So I, all of those things are probably playing back in his mind. But there's no doubt to me that if he's healthy, his first and foremost obligation is I'm going to be on the field to help my football team, and my teammates. So here, here's where I'm going to go into my little rant, Mo. And I want you to listen and respond after I give this because – I don't, again, we do this a lot on this show because with, with social media and, and our listeners and viewers tend not to do it, but they might talk about it and then somebody takes it and grabs it and, and misrepresents it. So I want to say this up front. There, to me, there's no questioning the talent of Darren Waller. None. The, the guy has amazing talent. Uh, he is a freak of nature in my view with the, the ability he has at his size to catch the football, to run with the football, to block, you name it, right? I'm a fan. Okay, 
At the same time, I have my doubts. My doubts, you actually have brought up more times than I have, which is the age. I know 30 does not seem old, especially to this guy sitting here on the other side of the camera, the <laughs> microphone from you at over 50, okay? So 30 is a young buck to me, but 30 years old in the NFL. And I know, well, he was on the practice squad. He didn't play and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but he was abusing his body with drugs and alcohol, okay? Now, thank God he corrected that, and it's one of the best stories ever in the history of the NFL. At the same time, I have my doubts, not because I doubt his talent. I doubt not even the durability, because he had, outside of last year, he had lingering injuries here and there. He played through them, which reduced his effectiveness, so I'm looking at sample size. There's no question when he's fully healthy and he's out there, he's a game changer. And again, top two in the league, if not top, if the not top, the top guy, okay? But those things in my mind just give me pause and doubt about giving a guy $16 million. Again, nothing against him. I think he's very, very important to this Raiders team. So I want to see him do well. I like his personal story. And, and you and I cover the team objectively, but I, I am biased in that. I want to see this guy win at all costs, but I have that lingering doubt. I know fans don't have it as much because they, they have this picture of him that he is Adonis and he is going to go out and do anything. Nobody can hurt him. Nobody's going to stop him. And to a certain degree, I understand that. But Mo, tell me why I'm overthinking it if I am. I don't think you're overthinking it. I, I think you're thinking about it as now you can correct me if I'm wrong here. What have you done lately and how long is it going to last? Because yes. you bring up his age. How long is it going to last? How long can you keep up that high rate of production? And if you're going to pay, because what you're paying for when you, when you construct these deals, you're either paying for what a player has done, which is dangerous if a player is in the last stage of his of his career, the last stage of his prime. We bring up his age; he's turning thirty, or you're paying for what you think he can do in the future. And to me, when you pay Darren Wall sixteen million, you're saying he's going to be a premium or a top three tight end for the next two, you know three years at least. So you're mm -hmm. saying he's going to be effective at a high level until he's thirty three years old. Can you bank on that after what you saw last season with the small sample size? That's the question that the Raiders are going to have to answer. And this is why I said I would pay, I would give him an immediate pay raise for 2022. Yeah, see big, what he nice does. lump sum. Right. Give him, a, give him what he's worth for 2022 because he is grossly underpaid. But then have him play out 2022 or at least three quarters of the season maybe. See what he looks like out there in your system with Devontae Adams, with Hunter Renfro. Is he still putting up big numbers? And then decide what he's worth on the books but it looks like one way or another i think he's going to get a pay raise but i understand your your not concerns but your outlook saying yeah is he worth 16 million a year and i would right. say there's a legitimate argument against that right especially now too you know i heard a lot of fans over the last few days with the cutdowns about the dead money stuff right and we talked about how they work around the salary cap, but still it is a lot of money out there. Okay. And, and you're, you're counting some other guys there against the cap too. And so imagine you give him a big deal and he's not reliable. Then you're sitting there again, unless they just so upload it up front that it doesn't impact the cap as much, which is possible. And so, so if I'm, this is where the Drew Rosenhaus thing comes in again. Are you going to take a three-year deal if you're Darren Waller? I mean, Pro, maybe, or are they going to try to get more? It's, it's it's not even just about the money. It's about the guaranteed money and the length of the guarantee, correct? So we talked about that on the last show with Baker Mayfield, not Baker Mayfield, with Deshaun Watson and some of these other deals that you're seeing where they're guaranteeing money uh, across the board, which never happened in the NFL before. So now you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, so um, we're going to give you, you have these two years left on your contract. Are we tearing that up and just giving you a new three-year deal? Or are we tacking on three years, right? The structure matters here, and that's where my concern is. If they give him a big pay raise and then tack on uh, another year with, with a big figure and it's a three-year total deal because you already have two, or you add two to it, then you're on the hook for four, it's all to me about the structure. It is, and... 
my concern is more is he going to be available because we all know availability is the first thing right you can't you can't produce if you're not on the football field so this is how i would get around it i would bump up his contract with incentives active you know game if he's active in this game if he plays a certain amount of games then he gets you know the extra money that bumps up his salary so we talked about this yesterday the guaranteed money means everything that's what you're looking at and i just took a peek at george kittle's contract I believe he's signed for a 30 million guarantee and he's had some injury issues in recent years, but he's a good football player when he's on the field. Obviously I think you do the same thing with Darren Waller, where you give him a decent amount of guaranteed money, but you bump up the, the totality the, the total contract value with incentives and say, you can make up to this much if you're active, but for so many games or some escalators in there for, for production, if you have a hundred catches or if you have 10 touchdowns or if you have eight touches, whatever the number is, you get an extra million here, you get an extra million there. And I think that's how you construct the deal. Because if you're worried about last year, you just say, we don't want to pay for a guy who's only going to play three quarters of the games or half the season. So we'll input the escalators and incentives in there just in case he's not available. We could save that money, but if he is what he was in 2020 and 2019, then he's earned that money and we're comfortable paying him that salary. Correct. Yeah. And, and to me, I, hitting on the escalators is huge, right? So it's like, look, you come out and you ball out and, and fans should have no problem with that too. It's like, look, we're going to give you a King's ransom. If you come out and you get a ton of catches, a ton of yards, a ton of touchdowns, whatever the right numbers are and games played. Hey, you play all, all 17 games, big bonus. You catch a, 80 passes, <laughs> no, it's a lot, 50, 60, whatever the number is, we're going to give you a bonus. I mean, we're going to give you a bonus for smiling during the game. I mean, whatever <laughs> it is, I don't care. And I don't think there's a problem with that. I get, though, the agent's going to want as much guaranteed to your point, which you just said. But, again, mm-hmm. I don't want people to misconstrue this conversation as I don't think Darren Waller's a good football player or that he deserves as much as he can get. Because to your point about the business, Mo, I don't look at players being selfish when they do that because they have to. If I'm mm-hmm. on the other side of the negotiation table for my job, okay, for our podcast, and they say, hey, we're going to give you this X number of dollars for this number of listeners, and I can get more, I'm going to get more for you and I. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, to me... That's not the issue. The issue is, and you encapsulated it so well, which is availability and age. And so, so if it's the right deal with the right, I have no problem with it at all. I just would, I would, it would give me pause to pay a guy $16 million guaranteed for two, three years at the end of this contract, not knowing if he can play that. So we'll see. All right. And so I'll look, I'll look at it from both sides. From Wallace's perspective, I would want some guaranteed money before I play another snap because again he has no more guaranteed money on his contract if he gets hurt let's say he tear god forbid he tears an acl the Raiders can decide to cut him and then that's it he's done you know absolutely he's not getting any money so as as, if i'm waller i get kind of lingering with the hamstring not saying his hamstring injury wasn't legit but i get preserving himself and not wanting to hurt himself any further because you don't have any financial protection going into the season now from the raiders perspective from a team perspective you want the best bang for your buck, right? So that's why I brought up incentives and escalators because you don't want to pay a player top dollar if he's not on the field. You don't want your $16 million player on the sideline watching football games. So then you say, okay, if he plays 75% of the snaps, offensive snaps for the season, he can make up to this much money. And that's how you fluff up the contract. I think we talked to Danny Heifetz a couple of weeks ago. There are so many ways that you can construct the contract and, and flood the salary cap and cap space to make things work for both sides. And I think there is a middle ground for Waller getting some guarantee money. And the Raiders saying, if you play a certain amount of, of snaps, if you're on the field, you can make up to this much. Yeah, I agree. And and that's the thing. Again, I know fans get emotional about it and I don't I don't blame them. I, w- I would too. I had favorite players growing up and, and in my fandom days. And so I understand it. Um, but I think it just and that's we all started this conversation with Drew Rosenhaus. So we'll see what kind of line he pursues and what kind of deal Darren Wall at the end of the day. No matter who your agent is, it's Darren Waller's decision on whether to accept it. He will get the counsel from his agent, and he'll say yes or no. And I agree with you. Pay the guy a – I mean, you want to give the guy $15 million up front as a bonus? Do it. Do it. Give him the cash. It takes care of him for most of his life, all of his life. Take care of all of us for all of our life. And so (laughs) so to me, that that is something that you can do. 
um, that would be uh, fantastic. And and listen, again, I'm rooting for him. Hope he does well. If he does well, the Raiders do well. I really believe that. So that's good. All right. We're going to take our final break, Mo. When we come back, we're going to talk about your piece, a piece you did up on Sports Knot, about the trade of Trayvon Mullen and what that means for Nate Hobbs, a guy you and I really, really like. We'll talk about that as well as perhaps some other needs, some other moves they might do on defense now that we've had a day or two to think about what's out there and what this team has said and what they may do. Uh, so we'll get back to that right after this break. You are listening to Silver and Black today an Odyssey Original Podcast. We will be back and we will continue to talk about your Raiders. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. He is Mo Moten. I am Scott Branson. This is Silver and Black Today. We are an Odyssey original. Yes, an Odyssey original podcast. We talk nothing but Raiders football and sometimes ice cream, cheesecake, pizza, avocado smoothies. Uh, it depends. But anyway, we will get into that. It is football season, though. We got so much football to talk about. We got so much Raiders football to talk about. We don't have time for that stuff today. Um, make sure you also follow us on Twitter. We love to interact with you guys you can follow Mo at Mo Moten, M-O-E. He's got an E at the end, not M-O-M-O-T-O-N, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully, and the show is at S-N-B today, so make sure you do that. Also, reminder, tomorrow on Friday, our, our infamous uh, mailbag show where we got some great messages. Mo, we have our first email. We've had an international email every show, every show. Tomorrow we have one from Scotland. So okay. it's awesome. So we're getting them from all, right. all over the world. And um, I do see download data and we are, we're big in the UK. We're big in Sweden. And then for some reason we're, we're, we're big in Botswana. I have no, no, I'm just kidding. It's not Botswana. It's Australia actually. So um, we, we have, shout we have international. Yeah. Shout out to Rossi. Rossi. Mm-hmm. Rossi and our good buddy Hayden Nadolny, who's got a new baby down there. So uh, we love our international fans as well. So that'll be fun tomorrow. The Mailbag Show, make sure you get it here wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also watch it up on YouTube if you like. Okay, Mo, I want to jump into one of your columns. We usually do this on the show because you're so prolific and don't sleep and all you do is write. <laughs> and so um, when we when we look at this, uh, this piece that you wrote up on Knot, this one's up on Knot. Um, concerning Trayvon Mullen's trade, right? So Trayvon Mullen goes to the Cardinals uh, for a, a conditional seventh-round pick. And our guy, Nate Hobbs, who we we are big fanboys of as far as, as much as we can be covering the team objectively, uh, but we like the kid. Um, and you wrote a piece on how this could lead to him rising to stardom because in different defensive sets, he could move inside sometimes where he's been. He can also now move outside. And I believe he has the talent to do that effectively. Talk about the column and your premise here on why you think the Mullen move now makes Hobbs ready to jump on the stage and be the rock star that we think he can be. Now, first I want to say, this is not a report. I'm not reporting this as a hearing this from coaches, but this is my theory behind the Trayvon Mullen trade. Now, I know Josh McDaniels mentioned that Sam Webb basically earned his spot, which made Trayvon Mullen expendable. But I also believe that Nate Hobbs may have showed the coaching staff that he has star potential. And by what I mean by that is that he's able to play inside and outside. So when you're in the base formation, we have two cornerbacks on the perimeter. Nate Hobbs can line up outside against a top wide receiver. When you have three cornerbacks on the field in nickel, he can move back inside where he played last year and played so well in the slot. Now, the reason I believe he can do that is not just because he took snaps there in the preseason and last season on the outside, but remember, iron sharpens iron. And what did he do a lot of over the summer? 
lined up against Devontae Adams. Yep. You're lining up against arguably the best wide receiver in the game. And I think Devontae Adams even said, he tweeted this, that Nate Hobbs is one of the best young DBs he's ever been around. And if he's telling the truth, that means that guy can line up on the outside and match up against some of the top receivers in the league. And he could play inside against a variety of wide receivers, the speed guys, the chain movers like Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, guys like that. So I think with Nate Hobbs, you're, what you're looking at is a possibility where he can play 90% of the snaps. Again, outside and base, inside and nickel. And I think it could work out for him where he becomes pretty much a star player. Now, if you're familiar with the Colts and Kenny Moore, Kenny Moore does the same thing. He's a Pro Bowl mm-hmm. cornerback. Also, lines up inside and nickel, outside and base. And I think with Nate Hobbs, what you're seeing is leftover from the Gruden Mayock regime, a possible gem and a cornerstone for your secondary. Yeah, and I want to I want to get to if you look on if you're watching us on YouTube, um, uh, I'm showing it now on the screen, but we'll tell you our listeners listening on the podcast, you have the PFF grade here too that you put in your story um, last year. Uh, the PFF grade for Nate Hobbs, and I know some people don't like PFF, but in this case, uh, you will. Seventy-six point seven seven rating. That's good for eleventh in the NFL. Mo. He, w- he gave up 8.5 yards per reception, the fourth lowest in the league. Right. And that was on 562 snaps. It's not like right. he was out there just a few games and played a couple snaps. He had mm-hmm. significant snaps and did that well. Right, and that's why I, I'm glad you point out the PFF grade because I put that up there because that was PFF's subjective perspective of Hobbs. I usually don't use PFF grades because it's just someone's opinion based on what they saw. I was focusing on, as you pointed out, the yards per reception, 8.5, fourth lowest among all cornerbacks, not just slot guys, all cornerbacks. So what that means is when you have Nate Hobbs on the field, he's not going to give up the big plays. And I want to go back to his collegiate career. For people who are concerned about Nate Hobbs moving outside because they say, well, he played well inside. Why would you move him now? At Illinois, he lined up on the outside under Lovey Smith, who's a – NFL head coach. So he has the <laughs> NFL, he has the NFL background playing under an NFL head coach. So he has so he has the training so to speak, the reps in a pro style defense, knowing what it takes to be on the outside. I don't think it'll be a problem for him to move back outside on the NFL level if he's ready, especially when he's lined up against Devontae Adams over the summer. So I think that again, iron sharpens iron and that's going to only help Nate Hobbs prepare for the for the regular season. Yeah, it's <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I, I just the kid has everything that he needs, I think, to be successful. And, and clearly what we've heard from the coaching staff and from other players is that his work ethic is second to none. So you, you have all those intangibles, too, that make you a player that wants to improve their craft. Uh, and to me, that is what you want to see. And he may end up along with Crosby, Renfro, and I think Morig, too. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. Those four guys might end up being the four guys uh, that when you talk about the Gruden era, who are the four hallmark people who came out of that. And I think those, these guys might be them. Um, but but that, that whole defense, uh, Mo, and you look at what's happening there with the Raiders and what they're going to do, what other type of moves do you see there uh, and and what else should we be watching for with this Raiders team over the next few days as we get wound up and head into the weekend towards NFL opening weekend next week? So I put out another column on Sports Not, basically reacting to the initial 53-man roster. The Raiders didn't make any; they didn't claim anyone. That doesn't mean they didn't put in a claim because remember it goes by a certain order. So maybe a team claimed the player before it got to them. But they ultimately, they didn't add any veterans to the roster. They did fill up their practice squad with a bunch of guys that you saw in the preseason. So whatever positions that you don't feel comfortable with after the 50-man depth chart was set, it's probably going to be that for a a few days. I still think they're going to add at certain positions, and I'll start with the cornerback spot. They traded Trayvon Mullen. I know I just said Nate Hobbs could be a star on the outside and the inside, but I think they add another guy there, just another veteran just as a veteran insurance policy there, because if Nate Hobbs is on the inside and nickel, Anthony Averett is probably going to be on the outside opposite Rocky Sin. So then Sam Webb played well in the preseason, but he is an undrafted rookie. Amik Robinson, we talked about a lot on the show, didn't really impress us. So if you're depending on Amik Robinson to be your guy to back up in the slot and on the outside and an undrafted rookie there, 
I wouldn't be too comfortable with that. I would add another cornerback, just a guy with experience who can check in immediately, kind of like a a, a face on did with uh, last year with Gus Bradley. Knew the yeah. system. You could just plug him in, and he put, actually played decent on certain snaps. So I think they addressed that position. The other position I think they addressed is probably the linebacker spot. I would hate to see Luke Masterson or Darian Butler lose their position. Mm-hmm. But I also think they may add another veteran there because you have two undrafted rookies, unless you feel super confident either, that depth behind Perryman, Brown, and Diablo, kind of thin. You have a veteran yeah. on hand because, remember, you can have veterans on a practice squad. I believe the Raiders have 14 players on a practice squad. I believe they had two spots left as we're recording this. So they may add another veteran linebacker who could step in and play just in case one of their top three guys goes down. And Mo, you you and I were texting uh, earlier today, and we were talking about Josh McDaniels, and and as you mentioned, um, talking about having eight offensive linemen, right? And and the fact that oh, we have eight offensive linemen. He didn't say that they would all be on the active roster. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still, and I know fans are holding out hope and still believe that they're going to they're going to make a signing or a deal of some sort with another offensive lineman. I I just don't even if they love Munford, even if they love Illuminor and what he's doing, you still like are you happy with everybody behind them? You have Brandon Parker on IR, he's gone for the year. So to me they're short. I don't know. I mean, look, coaches are going to posture with the media, but I just don't see them standing pat. I don't see how they can. Yeah, he said basically about the offensive lineman, not too concerned about it because he has guys on the practice squad. Are you trusting Olaseni and Meredith to step in if one of your stars goes down? If you need backup help, I don't think so. No. I, I think you go in. Maybe you don't get a Daryl Williams. I, I at this point, I'm just going to stop mentioning him because I don't, it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's going to happen. So let's just drop the whole Darren Williams discussion because it's not yeah. going to happen. But if they go out and get a still, I say a Bobby Massey or or Marcus Cannon who has some Patriot roots, or, or Nate Solder who has Patriot roots. I will be fine with that because I think those two guys, while they're not prime time starters and pro bowlers anymore, they are good veteran insurance over guys like Meredith and Olaseni, who you can develop on a practice squad, but they're just not ready yet to play. Absolutely. It's going to be exciting. I want to, I I'm interested to see who they, who they um, go after. I mean, they, they, they were so active and, and we saw the bombs dropped on cut down day uh, and and we didn't see any other activation happening. We saw other teams pick. We saw the Bears who picked up Leatherwood pick up what six guys, uh, and so it tells you that I think they're working on stuff, but they're also happy with what they have in certain areas. But I do think offensive line, linebacker, and even at the defensive back position, um, they might not be done. So we'll have to see. Uh, but it'll be it'll be I think a busy weekend for them, and then of course we'll have all next week to talk about that. So we're coming up here on the end of our show. Anything else for you, Mo? Anything you want to plug? Stories coming up? Uh, I, Labor Day plans? What are you doing? <laughs> I will say, um, Kelly finally got a kicker in our fantasy league. Shout out to Kelly, by the way. Oh, he did get uh, a kicker. Yes, I missed that. Today. It, must have been, it must have been like yesterday or today when I was preoccupied with work and unable to like pay attention to anything. The guy he did drop was pretty interesting. Um, mm. uh, George Pickens, who had a spectacular preseason. I might have yeah. to scoop him up off the line. Uh-oh. But uh, other than that, ch- just shout out to the fans and the, and the listeners and I the just viewers who were. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's got getting a head start. No, but uh, I just wanted to give it just a quick shout out to the listeners and the viewers because I, you know, I don't think I do that enough on here, but I do it every every day on Twitter. I'm always telling guys, you know, thanks a lot for reading. Thanks a lot for reviewing the video and just supporting because Odyssey has really, really been great for us because mm-hmm. of the fans. And you talked about how we're so widespread, Raider Nation, we, as we talk about all the time, all over the place. And they're showing it by supporting our show in different countries all over the world. So shout out to everybody for doing that. And it's amazing because, again, we you, you've been before you were a co-host on the show, you were a guest many, many times when we were on Raider Nation Radio, when we were on CBS Sports Radio, when we were a radio show. And then as we were a podcast, too. But, um, you know, Odyssey has, it was who gave me my break back then. It was called Intercom and they changed the name of the company, Odyssey. Uh, and there was some news about them this week. Some, there was a rumor started they were going bankrupt, which they're not. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, they have always supported us. And. What what they were doing with their 2400 Sports Studio, which is based there in New York, uh, but we are part of, 
has been phenomenal. It just blows my mind that there's other, if you want to listen to other teams as the Raiders come up to play, we'll start having some of those guys as guests here too, our fellow Odyssey podcasting hosts from other teams because they have created this network. They do all the Major League Baseball teams. They do all the NFL teams now, as well as having big stars, uh, guys like Kenny Main and all these other people who are on the network as well. So it's been great. And we've just been growing. I mean, Mo and I, Mo's probably sick of my texts where I'm sending him data. <laughs> I'm sending him numbers all. Look where we hit today. Look where we hit today. This is incredible. So um, it, it's great. But we know, and this is what Mo's getting mm-hmm. at, we know the only reason that's happening is you. It's you. It's right. because you listen. It's because you interact with us. That's why we had somebody today, and I, and I should know, or on Wednesday, I think it was. That's why I'm forgetting, because it was yesterday. And so I will find your name, and I will shout you out next time. On Twitter, say, hey, you know what? This is why I like these guys, because they actually interact with us. Because so many times you'll interact with people, and there's some great people out there who do it uh, as well. Sean Salisbury is another one, former NFL quarterback who hosts a show nationally. He talks to everybody. But you want to interact with your audience. And, and today I, was, I got in some, some little spats with people who listen to us. Just I shouldn't say spats. Disagreements. <laughs> disagreements. But they're always good. We'll go back and forth and I'll tell them they're wrong and they'll tell me I'm wrong. And we're like, cool, okay, thanks for the discussion. Let's move on, right? So it's not about this hate. It's not this bah, 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 back and forth like little yappy dogs <laughs> walking in the upper west side of Manhattan with their, with their puffed out lip ladies. Um, you know, the injection stuff. <laughs> So, so that's not what it's about. But again, I know we're going on and on, but, but we just want to tell you how much we thank you. And, and especially since we moved on to the new platform and we're doing more video and you guys love that too. And the video channel is growing. We're not some big YouTuber movement. There's great people who do YouTube and that's what they do constantly. Um, And, and we're just doing it organically, right? Along with the podcast. So thank you for that. Uh, and Mo, thank you for bringing it up because because man, we're we're lucky with these people who who watch and listen to us. There's one more thing I like to add too. I one thing I really do enjoy and like to see is when viewers and listeners actually post when or tweet at me when they're listening to us. So I think we got a picture on Wednesday of a guy saying, you know, I listen to you guys in the morning, and there's like yes. a picture of us on his Raider you know, Loke. screen. Yes, Raider Loke had us on his screen. So if you want, always. I always appreciate this. Send your pictures of, of you just listening to our show at Mo Moten. Uh, it's always good to just see the the support there. And we really, really do appreciate it. Especially if they include cheesecake. <laughs> don't listen to him. Don't listen to Send him. Send Mo cheesecake. Every, and I don't care if you're walking at lunch. Cheesecake, picture, Mo, tweet. Cheesecake, picture, <laughs> Mo, tweet. Just do it. Just inundate him with cheesecake pictures. I would prefer a smoothie pick. If you're listening to the show and drinking a smoothie, you you could send those picks to me at Mo Moten on Twitter. That's good. Yes, uh, that's awesome. But no, you're right. It it is great. I mean, when people talk about that and and us being part of their day, which is cool. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. great. I always joke about, hey, are you listening to us in a commute? Because usually the show comes out at 6 a.m. Eastern. Um, last, uh, last show on a Tuesday, we released it immediately because of all the cuts. But, um, so I, I know a lot of people cause they tell me, yeah, I listened to, I listened to it on my way to work on the train, on the bus, on the, or in the car. So it's awesome. But yeah, send us your pictures, tweet them out. And most of all, listen, if your friends are Raider fans, uh, and you guys are all so close, it's a big, big family. Make sure you just tell them about it. We would appreciate them subscribing uh, wherever they listen to their podcast. It's it's huge for us. We want to welcome more people into the family. They usually use this term with politics, but I'll use it here, and that is we have a big tent. Our tent is huge, just like Raider Nation. Everybody's welcome. Doesn't matter what walk of life you're from, where you're from, and, and how much you know about football or don't know about football, just come in. Right. You're welcome here. And uh, we have pizza without pineapple. Whew. Well, and one thing I want to make a point about we we don't talk down to people, no. and as you because you just mentioned this that different fans have different levels of understanding and knowledge of the game. Yeah. So some some fans may not know what the post route is. Some fans may not know the difference between a four three and a and a three four, four two five and a three three five. That's okay because we're not here to lecture you or talk down to you. We're here to have a discussion with you. And, and as you said, we have a big tent. We're just one big family talking Raiders. That, that's so true, too, talking down. And, you know, there, there have been times in the past where um, uh, in a moment of weakness, somebody like angered me and I, and I said something that was not nice. Um, I don't do that anymore. Uh, you know, I, I think that you're right. I think, listen, it's all about conversation. We're all at different points. Mo knows more about X's and O football than I do. 
clearly because you watch the show, you know this. Um, but I'm learning from him, right? I learned from him. I learned from others from doing a show for five years. I've kind of from where I started to where I'm at. So you're in the same position. And that's why we love the mailbag uh, segments, too, which which we'll have on tomorrow. Uh, we'll release that tomorrow as well as we do on Fridays because we get questions and we get, you know, this week we got some cool questions that we'll talk about uh, tomorrow. And and they're totally just innocent type questions I would have never thought about because they just doesn't cross my mind. But that's what I love about the audience and uh, certainly a great point, Mo. So thank you for that one. All right. We're going to wrap up this show as we hit just about an hour on this one. We try to also keep it to that length so that you can listen on your commute because we also know you listen to other content and that's cool. Um, uh, as long as we're number one on your list, uh, yes. we're good. So yes, that's, that's all that matters. Um, but nonetheless, we, we do appreciate it. And, and, and you guys listening and watching. So we will be back tomorrow with our mailbag show. Uh, Mo and I will be here and then we'll be off for the last weekend before the NFL season starts. And then we'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, unless there's some big breaking news, we'll always try to throw down a show if something crazy happens or big happens. Uh, but nonetheless, that's the schedule coming up. So join us tomorrow on Friday. If you have any mail you want to send us, mail at silverandblacktoday.com. We'll take your questions. You can win a T-shirt, win a sticker, and uh, we appreciate the interaction. Mo, I will talk to you tomorrow. We'll talk tomorrow, and we'll actually talk to the fans in directly yes. through the mail. <laughs> so that'll be fun. We will. The mailman is on the way, and we are ready for them, him, her, whoever it is. Uh, we will be ready for you guys all. Thank you again. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, and make sure, please, Raider Nation, take care of one another and be good to one another. Life's too short, and we want you to stick around and be happy. All right, for Mo, I'm Scott. We'll talk to you tomorrow.